continue now um, with the Luke reading. Having finished with the yeast and the mustard parables, we move on to things that are somewhat, somewhat challenging. So, picking it up from verse 22. Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few going to be saved? He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, We ate and drank with you and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know who or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out. People will come from east and west and north and south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first, and first who will be last. At that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, Leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. He replied, Go tell that fox. I will drive out demons and heal people today and tomorrow, and on the third day I will reach my goal. In any case, I must keep going today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he, who comes in the name of the Lord. Before Tim... You know, I don't normally boast about things like this, but once I went to the theatre with Prince Charles. Uh, We went to the Swan Theatre and saw a production of Ovid's Tales. At least if if I were inclined to name drop and boast a little bit, that's how I might put it to you. And uh, it's, it's kind of true... Uh, we were in the same theatre, watching the same production of Ovid's Tales at the same time, but he was, he was over the other side of the theatre. And I didn't know he was there because we saw him slip in in those moments uh, between the lights going down and the production starting. Uh, so I could say, I was at the theatre with Prince Charles. If you were to ask him, were you at the theatre with Tim Carter? He would say, never heard of him. Don't know who he is, don't know where... He comes from. Jesus tells a story of people who didn't make it through the narrow door to join the big party at the kingdom of God with Abraham, 
Isaac and, and Jacob and all the other people who've come from all around the world. He envisages latecomers knocking at the door and pleading to be let in. We, we met you, they tell him. We ate and drank with you. You, you taught in our streets. That's actually to put a, quite a big spin on what really happened. And the NIV is, is generous in terms of uh, claiming that connection with Jesus. A more accurate translation would be, we ate and drank uh, while you were there. Uh, so you could paraphrase it, that time you, you came to town, uh, we saw you, uh, we were there having a meal and having a drink and, and, and you were teaching. Um, don't you remember? Don't you remember us? And Jesus' honest answer would be, I'm sorry, I don't. I don't. You saw me, uh, but I... I never spoke to you. Did they, did they get up from their table and go and introduce themselves to Jesus? Did they follow him when he left town and become his disciples? They didn't. They finished their meal, they finished their bottle of wine, they went home and, and told their friends, guess what, in town today, we were there when Jesus came. They didn't even ask to pose for a selfie with him. It meant nothing more than a little flutter of excitement at having seen a local celebrity with their own eyes. And had they, been, had they paid more attention to the message than the fact, oh, we saw Jesus today, they would have realised actually that his message was vitally important. A matter of life and death, even. And in those moments, when Jesus visited their town and they saw him, it was like the door opened to the kingdom of God, and that was their moment. That was their opportunity to respond and say, yes, this is for me. Other people did. Other people seized the moment with both hands. One time Jesus spoke of violent people seizing the kingdom by force, and no one's quite sure what he meant by that. He might have been talking about the violence directed at his followers, but there's good reason to suppose he was talking about people scrambling to get into the kingdom. Think of the, the images that took place in France at the beginning of last year when a supermarket chain reduced the price of Nutella by 70%. People fought to get it. They were desperate to get their hands on this cut-price hazelnut spread. Don't ask me why. But the police had to be called because people were fighting each other. There were black eyes, blows to the head, cut hands. The competition for getting it was that intense. Jesus said people scrambling, not to buy Nutella, but to get into the kingdom of God. And the point he's making is this. The opportunity to get into the kingdom is there, but it's for a limited period only. So when the time comes, don't delay, don't put it off, don't let everybody else get there ahead of you, go for it. Don't miss the chance. I'm arming and arming about buying a new laptop. I've seen the one I want at a reasonable price. Should I go for it? Uh, should I continue with the one I've got at the moment? And, you know, a bit of me thinking, unless you go for it, you're going to find by the time you want it, it's gone. They'll have sold out and they've bought a new model. And it's a danger. He who hesitates is lost. Uh, my mother always complained about the dangers of procrastination. When it comes to securing your place in God's kingdom, don't procrastinate. Don't put it off. 
Don't miss the boat. When the moment of decision comes, take it. Because it really, really matters. This passage is one of the reasons why I'm not a universalist. Universalists believe that everybody makes it to heaven in the end. Because God loves everyone and would never turn anyone away. He's endlessly patient and willing to wait for as long as it takes for everyone to make their mind up and opt into his kingdom. It's a stance taken by Rob Bell, who's written a great little book called Love Wins, and you can find it in the library. His argument is that actually, uh, you know, God doesn't suddenly change his mind about us when we die. doesn't kind of love us with all his heart up until that point in time and say, well, okay, now you don't, don't love you anymore. Of course, he's going to continue to love people. That's, that's his argument. And it's an immensely reassuring picture. It takes the sting out of wondering what happens to people who haven't been saved. But I read it and I think, well, I like what Rob Bell says, but Jesus says something rather different. And I think Jesus probably knew what he was talking about. The whole discussion starts because someone asked Jesus whether many people will be saved or just a few. And it was a hot topic for debate. A couple of Jewish texts, dated a few years after Jesus' time, weren't optimistic about the numbers of people who would be saved. For Ezra says that the world to come will bring delight to a few, but torment to many. The Most High made this world for many, but the world to come for the sake of a few. Many have been created, but few have been saved. And the number of those who perish will be greater than the number of those who will be saved, as a wave is greater than a drop of water. And the testament of Abraham is similarly pessimistic. Many are the ones who are destroyed, while few are the ones who are saved. For among 7,000, there is scarcely to be found one saved soul, righteous and undefiled. It's pretty grim reading, actually. So who's right? Rob Bell? Everybody gets there? Or the authors of Fort Ezra and the testament of Abraham? One in 7,000, if you're lucky. Luke suggests that the matter was being debated in Jesus' day. But at least on this occasion, Jesus wouldn't be drawn on the question about whether lots of people or just a few would be saved. What he says to the man who raises the question is, don't mind about anybody else, what about you? What about you? You're not responsible for them, but you are responsible for your life, for your response, what you do. So he says, make every effort to make sure you get through the narrow door yourself. It's like the door is so narrow that people can only get through it one at a time. And if you don't make it in before the door shuts, then however much you hammer on the outside, it's going to stay closed. It's a very disturbing and disconcerting picture. I much prefer the idea that God will keep the door open until the very last soul has been admitted but it's not what Jesus says. He's quite clear there will be people who don't make it into the kingdom. In my own mind, I try and figure out why the door might be shut. And I, I, I think the judgment of God works like this. There are people who've said no so many times, and have squandered so many opportunities that they actually lose the capacity to make the right choice. The danger of making bad choices over and over again is that each time you make a bad choice, your capacity for making a good choice just disappears a little bit more. So I can envisage a situation in which people have so set their hearts against God that they are incapable of choosing to accept his invitation to enter his kingdom. And in that sense, the door is shut. 
And there will be people left on the outside. It's a hard thing to take on board, but it's what Jesus warns about. And Jesus points to the man who invites him to comment on whether lots of people will be saved or just a few is to say, you, never mind about them, you make sure that you get through the door before it shuts. Lots of people say to me, well, what about all those who've never heard the good news and not had a chance to respond? I don't believe that God would exclude anyone from his kingdom who has not had a chance to hear and respond to the good news themselves. It may be that God will judge them on the basis of how he knows they would have responded to the good news had they heard it. Or maybe everybody gets an opportunity to respond to the good news at some point. The thing is, maybe for you, that point is now. Maybe for you, that point is this morning. Never mind about everybody else, those who haven't heard. Never mind about how many people will be there or not. What about you? Are you going to be there? The great news is that God has invited you into his kingdom. There is a place set for you with your name on it if you want it. The invitation has been issued, but there is an RSVP at the bottom. And if you don't reply, you don't get in. You don't get your name on the guest list. There is a chance here and now to know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. And the point is that if you get to know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour now, he'll recognise your face when you come to the door then. He won't be scanning the list saying, sorry mate, I don't recognise you, I, I can't see your name here anywhere. He'll be saying, great to see you, you made it, come on in. And believe me, this is one party you do not want to miss. The start message is, ignore Jesus now and you can't expect him to recognise you then but accept Jesus now and he will welcome you then with open arms. While the rest of the country was plunged in, in Brexit confusion and chaos and uncertainty, for Radio 1 listeners, Thursday was a big day because at 5pm, tickets went on sale for the big weekend up in Middlesbrough. And for some people, that was the be-all and end-all of Thursday. And presenters were joking about how at 5pm you needed to be ready if you wanted to get a ticket. Laptops lined up. Phones fully charged. No dodgy Wi-Fi connections. No last-minute trips to the toilet or slipping out to feed the parking meter. If you wanted a ticket at 5pm, all your laptops needed to be online. All your phones needed to be ready to make that call because if you missed the chance, you wouldn't get a ticket. It was no good saying, oh, I'll give them a ring on Friday morning, see if there's anything left. Because there wouldn't be. It was that moment or never. Jesus says to the man, as he says to us, make every effort to get through that door before it shuts. Give it all you've got. Make it your priority. Because nothing, nothing is more important than securing your place in God's kingdom. Why? Because your eternal destiny depends on it. You want eternal life, it's Jesus' gift, but you need to receive and accept it to make a personal decision to put your trust in him. There really is no other way. And it won't be good saying to him, well, yeah, 
I went to church once, and there was a guy called Tim Carter preaching a sermon about this. And I remember something about what he said. If you say that, his answer will be okay. So what did you decide? What was your response? What did you do about it? Paul puts it in one of his letters. This is the day for you to be saved. And if you've never said yes to Jesus, if you've never accepted Jesus and put your trust in him as saviour and as Lord, then to get eternal life you need to do that. And today the door is open. But it won't stay open forever. So if you've never taken that step, let me invite you this morning to make a response and say, perhaps for the first time, Jesus, I'm giving my life to you. I want to be there at that party. I want eternal life. I'm not good enough to make it, but I believe that you died to rescue me from death. You put your life in Christ's hands. He will keep you for the rest of your life here and he will keep you for eternity. That's what it means for him to be your saviour. He's done it all, but the RSVP is there. How will you respond? Will you say yes to him? Or will you put it off? The door is open. Don't put it off. Make sure you say yes. I don't usually do this, but there is an empty row at the front here. If you really feel that this morning for the first time you you need to make a response to Jesus because you've not done that before or you want to come back to Jesus, come and sit at the front. Happy to pray and talk with you at the end. If that's a little bit too daunting, I mean, I did it once, that's why I'm standing here today as a Christian. If that's a little bit too daunting, I've got leaflets here on knowing God personally. Come and take one of these off of me. But this morning, the door is open. Take the chance while it's there, because it doesn't stay open forever. Make every effort, Jesus says, to get through the narrow door. That's what he's saying to you today. And if you've not slipped through that door yet, this morning is your chance.